Welcome back to the Across the Board Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Adams. We're here today with a special guest. We're going to be talking NBA draft prospects, specifically the point guard position. LaMelo Ball, Killian Hayes, RJ Hampton, tons of polarizing names. So let's get right into it. Jake. Hi, Jake. How you doing? Hey, what's going on, Chandler? Not too much. I'm glad that you came on. I was just telling Jake, it's hard to find people on Twitter, especially, uh, that have sane takes, aren't just saying <laughs> crazy things. And, you know, Jake, uh, we were tweeting back and forth, and I was like, wow, this this guy, like, I, we think the same way. And then uh, we have a listener question we'll get to later, and he named the three guys that he thought fit the profile, and I was like, those are the exact three I have. So <laughs> it should be a fun podcast. There shouldn't be too much disagreement. Um, I'm excited. We're uh, Jake, Just I'm just going to throw you on the, um, throw you a curveball right here, even though I said I wouldn't. Who's your favorite point guard p- prospect of this class? Oh, this class, it's, it's Halliburton by a country mile for me personally. Okay, well. Yeah. It, let's let's talk about him first then because yeah. I if the people who listen to this show know that I'm a I'm a Lamelo stand but you know Halliburton is I think they're now other people might think differently I don't like Lamelo's shooting the 15 percent three point shooting I think that's mm-hmm. that's very skewed towards his bad shot selection and yeah. moving of the three point line and all that but. I think their main weakness, both, is their you know size or lack thereof. Like they're just their strength. When I was watching Halliburton, uh, I was watching him just a couple of days ago. You know, getting ready for this podcast, and the only real weakness I could see, well, well I think he has a funky shot, but it's it is, yeah. It's Sean Marion had a bad shot. Yeah. Was, <laughs> you know, a top player in the NBA for not top player, good player in the NBA for a while. So mm-hmm. it, that's that's not something to really scare me away, but his. Just his strength um, at the rim, and then also sometimes he was a little bit like not assertive. You know, he didn't take over the game. But mm-hmm. personally, I don't mind that at all. It's it's so much easier to teach someone to be aggressive than to you know Tone stop shooting so many bad shots. Exactly. But so, what is it with Halliburton that just gets you that excited about him? Um, I mean, I watched him a little bit last year, and they didn't really ask him to do much last year but I could just kind of tell from watching Iowa State games that he definitely had the ability to if he was going to end up being asked to and then I don't know if you watched too many of their games this year but they were not a very talented team outside. Oh, yeah. I've, they, uh, <laughs> I noticed how bad his teammates were the other day yeah, and then, um, like I don't think there's a single NBA player on the team aside from him at least unless something crazy <laughs> happens between any of those players but um, he was I think I think it was like the Atlantis tournament um, is really when he kind of blew up and when I started to notice, like, okay, this guy's legit. Because he just, he, um, like you said, he wasn't very assertive, but he took charge in a lot of those games. But I think there were definitely times when I think he could have, he was maybe a little too unselfish, which like you said, you'd almost feel like you'd rather have a guy be too unselfish than self- selfish. But I think there were times, like you said, when he didn't really take charge like he should have. But I think the talent's there. He's super long, um, definitely sees the floor very well. Him and Milamelo are very uh, common in that way because I think they both see the floor really well. They're both extremely long. They're both willing on the defensive end. Um, and I think the Taliburton, even with that team, was able to put up really good splits. I think he ended up almost shooting 50-40-90. I think he was like 50-40, like 82-83. Yeah. But I think before, before he got hurt, um, he did have a couple games against like I think Auburn, where he didn't really play too well. But I, I don't know how much of that, honestly, is because of just he was the focal point. There wasn't really anyone else to tone on if you're, like, looking at a scouting report for Iowa. But I think he's got a lot of talent. I think, the, especially depending on the fit, he could really – um he could be a day-one starter. Yeah, I agree. And I watched that Auburn game. That was the first one I watched yesterday when I was evaluating him. And they had uh, Isaac Acora, Acora on him. Mm-hmm. And that – is probably not the type of player that's going to be guarding Halliburton in the NBA, yeah. which is good because Akora is built like I, 
outside of Cole Anthony, he's the most freakish looking athlete. And he's, he's built like a brick house. Oh my <laughs> God. His, his legs are humongous. And it's that, that he, he was manhandling Halliburton, yeah. but there were a couple plays where Halliburton wanted to got around him and he's able to do that with his length. And, you know, he's able to, it's, this is going to be a common theme with most of these point guards, but he's really, really good at like getting the defender to fall asleep and then exploding right by him because that's one yeah. of the main you know other than pick and rolls uh that's like you know that's how point guards create today's basketball and yeah. i think like you said he's shooting 50 40 83 82 this year that's really yeah. impressive yeah. and when i was watching him because i'm i'm i don't love you know player comparisons it's it's whatever like it's, it's tough it's, yeah, and everyone's going to think differently. And, you know, a lot of times, like, I'll even find myself doing it. I was watching uh, – crap, who was I watching? I was watching Vernon Carey Jr., and I'm mm -hmm. trying to think of a comparison, and I'm like, what's oh, Zach Randolph? And then I'm like, no, he's not. He's just left-handed and a big. <laughs> like, that's the kind yeah. of things that people do subconsciously without even knowing. But when I was watching Halliburton, the player he reminded me of the most, and I don't know if it's – be, I don't know if it's just because he's the most recent player I can think of, but Lonzo Ball, he reminded me a lot of him. He I, flashy passes, yeah. but on a dime, a bad, like a, just an an awkward shot, but, you know, good enough that it falls through. And then defensively, Lonzo in college wasn't the defender we see in the NBA now. But I think projecting-wise, you know, the Lonzo-esque role is what Halliburton could really thrive in. You know, a fast-paced offense, obviously, with good players around him, which the Pelicans have done a great job there with Alonzo. And then the biggest thing that most of these point guard prospects have, like I would say almost none of these point guard prospects have, other than Trey Jones, is like a really good defensive ability. And Halliburton showed spurts and his length and awareness to get mm -hmm. in the lanes. That's huge. Even though it's a dying art in the NBA, like the not being a liability on defense is huge. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just uh, some players, you know, obviously physically they're limited, but a lot of it's just it's purely just bringing it every night on the defensive end, just literally yeah. just effort. And I think he definitely did show that, especially in times where they're obviously they didn't win many games. So there were a lot of games where he really you think maybe like you think he had to have known maybe that he was the, the first round pick and he wasn't surrounded by much, but he still looked like he brought that effort. And I think that's a good sign for him. But to touch on the um, comparisons you're talking about, a couple I'd seen Lonzo before. I saw one that was like Dante Exum, maybe what we thought he was going to be. Mm. Didn't really turn out to be what he was. And then um, what was another one? There was Dante Exum, and then I saw DeJounte Murray, which was another one which I liked. Hmm. Yeah, I like mm -hmm. and I like all those players. It's, he's Halliburton and all those players are the point guard that, I like, and that might be why I'm higher on Trey Jones than most because mm -hmm. I I like a controlled player, who is first his first thing is like making the right play for the team and yeah you know there's the Steph Curry's and the Russell Westbrooks and all these players that are so explosive on offense at getting their own, but you know as, in the NBA, it's still a it's a wing dominant league like if you don't yeah. have an elite wing player unless you're the 2015, 2016, 2017 Warriors who were just uh, – just an outlier, doesn't yeah. happen. Uh, and so I'm not looking for my point guard to come in and be, you know, the focal point. But Halliburton's kind of the exception. You know, he's 6'5", and he's only 180-ish right now. He can still mm -hmm. add weight to that frame. Yeah. But, so he's got like – he's just – everything adds up for Halliburton to be great in the NBA. I think a lot of it's just going to depend on – is he going to have to be the only guy again? Because we saw in college he doesn't have, like you said, there's no NBA players on that roster, barring some crazy, crazy thing happening. And I think, you know, which is the case for most prospects, but especially someone like Hal Burton, who does have tendencies to fall back and not be as aggressive, is to just get, just put him on a team where he can create for other good players, and I think he's going to thrive. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And I think Lam you can even touch with that on LaMelo. Like, people will talk about LaMelo's spits, splits, but like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure his team in the NBL was one of the worst ones. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Like, there were a lot of games where I was watching where they were getting beat by 15, 17, 20 points. 
Yeah, he was uh, – every time they played R.J. Hampton's team, I mean, they just were putting it to him. Mm-hmm. Like he was t- he was out playing Hampton, but Hampton's team was definitely, you could tell, was just far and away better. Yeah, and so if if you want, unless you have anything else to touch on with uh, Halliburton, do you want to just move into LaMelo? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go for it. All right, so my, my biggest thing with LaMelo is, I, I mean, you can – if you type in LaMelo on YouTube, you're going to get one of the craziest passing highlight reels that you can find. And, but the most, like, first of all, I am, I implore you, if you're out there trying to learn about a player, don't watch highlight videos. Cause that mm-hmm. it's just, it's not the way to learn about a player. So LaMelo has this really bad tendency to just disappear on defense and take bad threes on offense. But I, I, don't want people to get it mixed with he cannot defend because there are multiple plays where he's guarding a guy that's built like an NBA player. And I remind you, LaMelo's built like an 18-year-old senior in high school. Uh, and I can't remember the exact game, but it, you can go find it out there. Type in LaMelo ball defense, and I guarantee it'll be one of the first videos. And he bodies him up the entire possession, in the post, out on the wing. So LaMelo can defend. It's going to be a question of, you know, Will his coach what like, and you don't want this in a player, but basically, will he respect his coach enough? Because I yeah. mean, you can tell by Lamelo that he's a pretty entitled kid. He's not like Lonzo, really. He doesn't have that head down, work hard mentality. He's uh, he's more of the showboaty type. But yeah, I guess my biggest thing with Lamelo is he's got to have a coach. I uh, probably a younger coach, but I don't know a coach that lets him be creative because Lamelo's biggest strength is just like this back like just this backyard basketball type deal where he does stuff that you don't see happen mm-hmm. on the court a lot that's really risky but it it, tur- it turns out good for his team most of the time and but also at the same time someone to rein him in so he's not pointing at the half court line and pulling it up from half court in the middle of yeah. a real game which he made the shot somehow but my god that, that just <laughs> and he's not going to pull from half court in the NBA but yeah you know that's that's my biggest takeaways on him. But what what do you see when you when you watch Lamelo? Uh, I see a lot of what you see. Um, obviously, at the highlights, I'll show you one thing, like the Trey Young deep level threes, the Trey Young like passes, a lot of that kind of stuff. But I see a guy that can get to the rim basically anytime he wants to. And I see um, something that I really think with him that someone in the NBA does really well, Jokic is he knows how to find the best shooters and he knows where to put it. He knows where his shooters like it. And I think that's something you can't teach. And I think that's something that's so valuable in today's league. Yeah, I love that. I, that's, you know, that might be the best comparison I've heard because I, I very strongly try to stay away from saying LeBron-type vision when I'm, like, evaluating yeah. a player because that just that, – it, it doesn't happen twice with LeBron's vision in my yeah. opinion. We might see it eventually, but not yet. And, uh, but yeah, his ability to know who his shooters are, but also who's defending them and where he likes the ball. There's a video of his interview with Mike Schmitz of ESPN, obviously, like the draft NBA draft guy out there. Um, great videos, but you know, he was dissecting the defense that they played three, four weeks ago, saying, well, this guy, you know, doesn't do this well and you know what shooters are out on the um, wing and it's just it's absolutely incredible you said it can't be taught and that's like in my draft evaluation of Lamelo, I did I put I, I think I put can't be taught four or five times which I, yeah. I was like this is just repetitive but he has so many things that can't be taught I think the only question mark with Lamelo is will he add on weight which we saw Lonzo did Lonzo is one of the bigger point guards in the nba yeah now. he definitely it's a he's he's become kind of physically imposing compared to other point guards that he's matched yeah. up with now i mean i i would i was hoping to see the the pelicans put lonzo i know this is random but i you know the pelicans versus lakers game the last time they played mm-hmm. drew holiday guarded lebron for whatever reason i drew holiday is one of the best defensive point guards in the nba but he's six four yeah he's, he's smaller i was LeBron was taking him to t- I mean just absolutely destroying him and the whole time I was thinking please can we see Lonzo versus LeBron because LeBron's still going to win that matchup nine out of ten times I mean there's not many people in the league that can stop LeBron but 
Lonzo, like, I just wanted to see that matchup because Lonzo's always feasting on these smaller guards, and I wanted to see what he could do against these bigger guys, but I need to stop talking about Lonzo. <laughs> it's hard but not to when you're talking about his brother. It, it is, and I it, they, they don't play very sim- – I mean, they obviously have some of the same tendencies with their mm-hmm. passing ability and the way they'll – even when they don't need to make it a flashy pass, they will, and it yep. looks awesome. But I think with LaMelo, outside of the weight, like I just said, the weight and strength, the only question mark really is, like, will his coach let him be creative and his attitude? And other than that, like – I just when I watch Lamelo, he's my number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's by a ton. I really like Anthony Halliburton and Hayes. It's like it's tough for me, but yeah, man, Lamelo. There's a lot of flavors. Know. Yeah, there is, and they're all very different. <laughs> yeah, they're all very different players. Uh, I'd say it's gonna be hard for the probably even like thirty-five years and older crowd to get on board with Lamelo right away he's mm-hmm. very much wherever he goes he's going to bring a young young crowd with him yeah but, and I think uh part of kind of why the Ball brothers him and Lonzo I think maybe aren't liked by the older crowd or just people in general is because they just it almost looks like they're not trying yeah because they just that's just their natural that's just how they carry themselves and I wouldn't necessarily believe that's what it is that's just literally how they play and how they carry themselves and I think kind of people take that as this flashy star player that doesn't want to try yeah I used to I used the first time I watched Lonzo at UCLA I was just sitting there like this kid's not even trying yeah and then you just realize that they have like that shoulder slouch that and they just kind of stand there but they stand straight up on defense most of the time. Yeah. But they still don't get beat. I I don't they're a very odd family, but mm-hmm. you know, they might be the best brother duo we've seen in the NBA for some time. Like, yeah, there, I mean, there's so much talent there that can be unlocked with both of them. And I think New Orleans might be the place where Lonzo's can cuz he was really starting to get it going. And then LaMelo, like you said, it's all about fit, all about where he goes that can really unlock a superstar. Yeah, I think the if I'm the Pelicans. I know Brandon Ingram had a breakout huge year mm-hmm. and you've got young players like um Jackson Hayes and, and all these Josh Hart and all these this talent with you know, Drew Holiday. But my two main pieces that I'm trying to make happy and build around are in my opinion are Lonzo and Zion because one those mm-hmm. two complement each other absolutely perfectly. Oh, Lonzo well. obviously needs to become more efficient and like steady as a three-point shooter but the way that they could run the pick and roll in the nba i mean that could be one of the best duos we see in the nba in five six years if they can keep that team in new orleans and put pieces around it's going to be huge to have three-point shooters around but yeah i think so i i might i'm gonna throw you i'm gonna throw i know i said i wouldn't throw you any curveballs but now (laughs) like you're handling everything so well that i'm trying i'm gonna try now, this is a hard one. If you had to think of a spot off the top of your head for LaMelo as the best fit, now, obviously, it's going to be hard for any team outside the top three to get him, but just mm-hmm. the best fit, what 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 would interest you? Like, regardless of um, draft position? Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, it's kind of got to be the Suns. Yep, I love that. Oh, my gosh, I would love that. Yeah. That would be so amazing. I just, every time I think about a point guard to the Suns, it's just like, get – Devin yeah. Booker, a point guard, uh, so yeah. Ricky Rubio. And this year, I mean, Devin Booker kind of, because last year he um, he was asked to do a lot from the point guard position, and he, like, his numbers kind of hurt from it. And this year you even added just a player like Rubio, who's, yeah, he's a solid bet, but um, Booker's unlocked another side of himself where he's putting up 50% shooting. He's shooting, like, career best. Um, I think he's career best in points. I could be wrong, though. But um, you just add him there next to – next to Booker and then they have they have solid wings they have some no breakout wings but they do have solid players and then obviously they have um I think LaMelo would be fantastic for Aiton the oh, rim running God. the pick and roll game LaMelo's ability to uh like throw it ahead on the fast break to big guys who are I'm gonna be honest right here to everyone listening the people in the Australian basketball league are pretty ass you guys remember Aaron Brooks from if you're if you're a video game player like 2k11 Aaron Brooks, like he was on the outs in two K, like two thousand ten. He's still playing over there. Starts for Lamelo's team. Like they, he didn't have much to work with. Uh, and if he could have DeAndre Ayton throwing that ball, and, oh my gosh, because Ayton and Booker are just two of the most under talked about 
duos in the league. And part of it's because they can't win games, but they don't really have anything over there with them. All right, so we're going to switch gears a little bit, talk about someone that maybe we aren't as high on as the public consensus. Um, and we're going to lump in a listener question with it. So Chris Howell, my good buddy, asked, Will Kentucky's Tyrese Maxey look similar to Colin Sexton as a pro? Natural scorer, developmental passer, potential as a good defender, etc. Um, I'll let you talk about it first. I'm just going to throw in there that I think – I, I with Colin Sexton, I did not think his transition to the NBA was going to go as smoothly as it did. Mm-hmm. You know, he pr- improved his shooting, was, became more efficient uh, around the rim. He's you know, really good around the rim now. But uh, yeah. I personally, outside of Tyrese Maxey, I like his effort on defense sometimes when he locks in. But I just, I don't know. It's he had a really good spurt, and I think that should not boost your draft stock like it did but what, yeah. what do you think about maxi um i think the sexton that's a really good question because i do think sexton could be like what sexton did this year could be maxi ceiling because i think they're very similar players so it's a pretty good comparison mm-hmm. um like you said though um you'd be asking for maxi to have a vast improvement because that's what sexton did um i think sexton did a lot of good things last year but i was pretty critical of him because i didn't think that he would I thought maybe like this, I thought the three-point percentage stuff, I thought a lot of this could have been maybe fluky, but he's really um, shown me to be wrong in a lot of cases. And I personally with Maxi, I think the talent's there. I do think the effort is there at times. Um, he has a fantastic ability to get to the line, which is like mainly the only thing that I really got out of watching him at Kentucky that I think can translate well. Didn't particularly shoot well, wasn't particularly efficient, but um I think with him, a lot of it's going to be big about fit and personally just what he has inside in his in his head about developing and what he can turn into. Yeah, I agree. And uh, with Colin Sexton, uh, I'm a Cavs fan, and I'll be honest, I did not think he was going to, you know, if you know, evolve the way he has. Now he still has room to go to be, you know, considered really good but mm-hmm. first seventh seventh overall pick in a really bad situation in cleveland i think he's you know exceeded expectations so far mm-hmm. but like you said they're very similar players and they they are very similar you know down to size and everything but um you're gonna have to ask maxi to make a jump that just most players don't do it's it's very rare that a you know college player they can't shoot I would even just can't really shoot well from three, but and he's not he's a point guard and he's not a you know natural playmaker for others. It's it's very unlikely that those players translate to the NBA and play really yeah. well. But I would say out of you know all these players, uh, or out of all the players in the NBA, like Tyrese Maxey has to be looking at Colin Sexton and saying, well, this is what I need to do. And like you said, it's all going to be about his mental, you know, where his mental game and whether mm-hmm. or not he's okay with developing into this player that won't ever, you know, be the one or two option on a winning team. Yeah. But I, I do like the comparison. I do like his defensive ability. His defensive ability is way better in Colin Sexton, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, just his passing and his lack of outside shooting really scares me with Maxi. So I'm not that yeah. high on him. And I think oh. a lot oh, of it, I'll just finish, uh, a lot of it with him is Maxie, because I feel like he, there was times, at Colin Sexton at Alabama, I felt like was always the guy. Mm-hmm. He always kind of took control of their games. You know, he got kind of willed him to the tournament with not too much talent around him. I feel like there were a lot of games where Maxie was okay kind of taking a back seat to someone else like Nick Richards for Kentucky and then Emmanuel Quickly, who actually led them in scoring, I believe. I think there's a lot of times he took a back seat kind of willingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, you know, with someone like we talked about Halliburton earlier, not always being aggressive. I don't think he ever, you know, took – I don't think he ever was the second fiddle. It's just like yeah. he would kind of not be assertive and make bad plays, which I I, I really like. Yeah. And with Maxie and any guy in particular, if you're watching a college basketball player or college football player and they're not, like, jumping out at the screen at you, odds are they're not – going to be able to do it in the NBA. And I know that that 
obviously there are exceptions that doesn't always apply but as like a general rule of thumb if you're not if you're like you watched colin sexton in college and you're like holy crap like alabama somehow won that and you know the the game that i fell in love with colin sexton like i loved the pick at seven for the Cavs. did not know how he's going to translate but there wasn't much there to draft from and Mm -hmm. it was when alabama had i want to say they had seven players eligible and (laughs) they had three foul out and i'm not kidding colin sexton was playing two defensive positions at like (laughs) the hustle was there i think he had played every minute of that game and was still playing well it it's just that's the kind of effort you want to see and you know when tyre if tyrese maxey can you know like you said mentally develop there's a chance but i just I guess to be critical, not, we can't be high on everyone. I would say his odds are lower than most. Yeah, personally with me, I think he's definitely a guy that would use another year of college. But I, when you go to Kentucky, when you're a five-star mm-hmm. recruit, that's not really an option a lot of these times. Whether no. it's the scholarships available, the playing time available next year when the new guys come in, or just your mentality. Yeah, I think, and obviously Calipari, you know, loves his players going to the NBA right away. He's very mm-hmm. passionate about that, which is good. But I think it would also be good for him to kind of become, you know, a guy that tells Maxi, hey, listen, you, there's possibility you could be a lottery pick next year if you come back. And a lot of players, especially with March Madness being canceled, in my opinion, should go back and develop. But yeah, you millions of dollars in front of them, it's hard to say no to that. There's a lot of players that missed out on some money with them. A lot of players make money in March, so. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 awful to see, but hopefully, yeah. hopefully, the these players make the right decision with either going back or yeah. going to the NBA. Um, all right, I'll I'll let you answer this. You want to go back to one of the top guys, or do you want to just talk about maybe a sleeper or someone we don't like? I'll let you choose. Uh, let's guys. talk about the top guys. All right. Um. We both agree Killian Hills. Killian Hayes, good Lord, is up there at the top of this group for sure. I've seen a lot of people, um, you know, the one on Twitter I follow, Derek Murray. He's great for NBA draft analysis. Uh, He's had Killian Hayes as a top guy for a while now. I I watch Killian Hayes, and I love him. I love to watch him play, but I can't have a guy number one on my big board if he can't, if I feel he can't use both hands comfortably. And when I watch Hayes, the biggest thing that stands out is when he goes right, he picks up the ball early almost every single time or isn't able to get to the hole. But what's your, you know, what's your most favorite, least favorite thing about Hayes or whatever you think about it? Um, I think he's very natural in the way that I think he has a pro game because obviously he's been playing professional basketball for a while now, but, um, he kind of knows how to use zones. Um, I think he's a very smooth player. He kind of very smooth when it comes. Very good in the pick and roll, which I noticed when I was watching. I haven't watched too much of Hayes, but I do know he's very smooth. Um, I think his jumper could use a little bit of work in the way that I think it might be a little too low of a trajectory, especially for a player that's not necessarily as tall and long as him. But I think there's a lot to like there, and I could definitely see a team falling in love with his skill. Yeah, I think, and it's the first thing the the first game I watched of Killian, he had it was pick and roll and then he got matched up on the big guy, sized him up, and then did the infamous James Harden step back. And I mean it was almost to the T. He didn't mm-hmm. get the he didn't get the side to side movement that James Harden gets because I mean, don't we've never seen anybody be able to do a step back like James yeah. Harden. And but his ability, like you said, to just be natural and how natural it looked, it was just it blew me away. They all like great passer, good enough shooter. He's got the size. The only thing, and he's you know tons of experience. The only thing is, I, you know, like you said, his jump shot is very low. He brings it up from a very low angle, which you don't like. And then with me, his right hand. Like if he can get yeah. a right hand, which it that's the only thing that scares me is like he's been playing professional basketball you know, for this time, and he still hasn't developed, like, that strong right hand. But also, I think he's 18 right now. He might be 19. I don't know, but. See, I got it right here. Is Yeah, when he gets drafted, he'll be just, he'll be about to turn 19. He'll be still 18 when he's drafted. Oh, these kids. Yeah. It's so crazy. (laughs) Like, 
when I was a freshman in college, I was like, oh, Jalen Hurts, he's my age, and he's performing. <laughs> he's in, going to the national championship game. Right game. And now it's like, oh, these guys are younger than my little brother, and they're about yeah. to make seven. It's so – it's awful. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's so much to love about Hayes. I think someone's going to fall in love with him, and I think when it comes draft time, he'll be that player that's like, oh, I hear – ESPN will be like, oh, I hear rumors that Killian Hayes is, you know, number one on most people's boards. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be like Ball, Hayes. I think Halliburton has a chance to get up in that conversation for sure. Yeah. I, Anthony Edwards absolutely will. I think Denny of Deja has a chance. He's one of my favorite players. And then James Wiseman. Like, those are going to be the players where you're not, you're not going to know who's the presumptive number one. It's not. Yeah. It's not last year. And the the lottery is going to be very interesting this year because last year we know it was the contest of who got well, Zion, which is exciting in itself. But this year it's going to completely shake up like mock drafts and just what we think is going to happen come draft night. Yeah, last year was very chalk. It was it was kind of almost too predictable. And I, I think you're right. This year is going to be all over the place. I think we'll, we'll – I want to slide into Cole Anthony real quick because this kind of brings up my next point. So mm-hmm. I think even player a player like Cole Anthony might be able to get up in that top five range. It's going to be like the, the first thing I noticed about Cole Anthony was the first player he reminded me of, I guess I'll say. I watched North Carolina Duke game, the game he came back from his injury. It might have mm-hmm. been the game he came back or the game after. And he did not get tired. Like, he didn't get tired at all. And it was super weird to me. And I just kept watching him. He wasn't getting tired. It's almost like he's bionic. So I looked. I was went back and watched a few more games. And it's like, this dude never gets tired. That was the first thing I noticed. And then I was watching. And I was trying to think, like, okay, who's this guy remind me of? Like, I always do it whether I want to or not. Mm-hmm. And the way he is able to finish around the rim and kind of has, like, that sneaky mid-range game without much athleticism like he's not one of the top athletes like he's not yeah, he's one of not, the top he's not gonna blow you away no and he kind of reminds me of Kyrie Irving now that's obviously high praise and it's just mm-hmm. it's not his exact game for those of you listening it's just that's the type of player he is around the rim without I mean think about Kyrie Irving's best dunk nobody here can do it because no one remembers a Kyrie Irving dunk yeah that's the at lack of athleticism but able to ability to finish around the rim that he reminds me of but I just it's just something about it, it I don't know if it's myself subconsciously saying oh he's got the pedigree and all this but it's just something when I watch him I feel like he's got that it factor that I look for and you know he's he's able to just direct the game like he's just his ability to orchestrate the game on yeah. top of finishing at the rim just really excites me I think a lot with Cole Anthony, um, like we we touched on it a little bit before we started recording about just the situation at UNC. Uh, it was an ideal situation pretty much all around there. Um, then you add in his injury. I think that he really kind of made the best of it in the way that he opted to come back when I think a lot of players would just start to train for the NBA. I thought that said a lot about kind of the team first mentality he has. Mm-hmm. And um, he put together about, I can't remember what stretch it was. He put together about a five to six game stretch there before the season kind of got cut short um, where he was really starting to find it again. And that was really exciting to see. And I, there was a, um, I'll have to link it to you. There was a YouTube video I watched of him when he was at Oak Hill of like a kind of a day in the life. And he's just such a team first guy. And he's just got one of those personalities that just all of his teammates gravitated towards him. And I think like we talked about before, that's something that you can't teach. And I think he's the kind of guy that is going to know how to handle an NBA locker room, obviously because of his dad and just because of his personality. And I think that's going to help him thrive. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, I will have to get that. Cause I love watching those things. I watched one about, uh, I can never pronounce his name, right? The Illinois point guard, first team. All oh, DeSumo. Yeah. But I watched one of him and it's just, you just, you fall more in love with these players when you watch something that's like it makes them a real human being. Yeah. And uh, I think, like you said, his dad being an NBA player, like sometimes that's overused. You know, oh, his dad or his uncle was professional this, professional that. But like his dad is, is Greg Anthony. And, yeah. And, and, you know, his. It's with 
some of these players are it's like their uncle and then this uncle played like in the 60s in the 70s whatever it might be like greg anthony understands how the nba works that when he played in the modern nba is not that drastically different that helps a player a ton being able to adjust to workouts and sleep schedules and traveling and flights all this and then bringing it for 82 games instead of whatever cole anthony played this year because of yeah, injuries. Like, couldn't have been more than 20 yeah i it i bet it's probably right around 20 actually and it's that stuff helps and then just i think the biggest factor for cole anthony is if he can drop to the bottom of the lottery or even out of the lottery that's going to seem like a smack in the face but Hopefully his dad's in his ear telling him, like, dude, you're just going to a better team. If Cole yeah. Anthony can get on a good team, his ability to pass the ball and then stretch the floor, like being able to shoot it well enough, then he's – I I just think he's really underrated as a finisher at the rim. His lack of athleticism is very glaring. But we've seen Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving do it for yeah. years now in the NBA. I think if he can get to a good team, he can have – a really good rookie in sophomore year and it's gonna you know could be one of the better point guards statistically the first two years because i think he has a better chance than Halliburton, hayes and ball to drop for sure yeah and that's that's something that i think players during the draft kind of always resent you know getting picked later but and i've obviously never been in the position where i'm getting drafted into the nba or the nfl <laughs> but i've always thought hell if i could get drafted 30th by the Bucks or second by the Cavs like give me the Bucks all day long give me yeah. that $800,000 salary it's probably if it's probably at least a million for a third 30th overall pick that's roughly probably but yeah I I think I think all those things are going for Cole Anthony he obviously has some weaknesses defense um, his you know size isn't usually a problem for point guard if they make up for it in athleticism, I think it's it might hurt him at some points, but nothing that's like he's undraftable. But, mm-hmm. um, man, I don't know. It's hmm. I'm looking at my list of players that I DM'd you, but what do you want to talk about next? <laughs> um, I mean, we could touch on. Let's see. I'll let you pick since you're the guest. I, I feel uh, because like we kind of did skim over RJ Hampton a little bit since we did talk about since he's in a lot of he's in a lot of people's top like lottery rankings. So oh, yeah, I'll talk about him. I think a lot of people have him listed as a shooting guard, but I don't see him as a shooting guard. Yeah, truthfully. especially in the NBA. Yeah, we can talk about RJ Hampton. I really like him. Mm-hmm. Um, I my favorite thing about RJ Hampton outside of you know, the fact that he's now played one year of professional basketball, maybe two, I think one, um, is his speed. When you watch an RJ Hampton game, I guarantee you the first thing you'll think of is who the hell is that guy blazing down? I mean, he is quicker yeah. than everyone on the floor, and it's not even close. It's like if you're watching Ben Simmons or uh, LeBron James or Russell Westbrook and their ability to just separate from everyone, even when he's dribbling a ball. That's what kept popping out to me is he's the one dribbling the ball, which is nine out of ten times the saying is, like, if you're dribbling the ball, you're going to be slower than a guy running. Yeah. It's not the case for him. And There's then, some outliers. Yeah, <laughs> he's just absolutely fantastic. Um, he has a six seven wingspan, which for a point guard, just absolutely great. But, yeah, his speed and ability to handle the ball are just two things that cannot be overstated with – how R.J. Hampton plays. Yeah, I think there's a lot of raw talent there, and I think sometimes maybe at the NBL, it maybe seemed like he was almost too fast for his own good, like he didn't really know what he was going to do with it in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his big thing is going to be obviously fit. I don't think he's a guy that maybe should be asked to do a lot in his first year or even two years in the league. Um, I think going to a established like program, established developmental program would be big for him. You know, like a team like the Spurs or something like that. But I know, obviously, he's going to go higher than that. But, um, you know, I think he's one of those guys that definitely has a lot of potential that can be unlocked. He's got a lot of raw talent. Yeah. The, the other thing that scares me with – not scares me, but the other thing that needs to be noted, in my opinion, with R.J. Hampton is that he didn't have a lot of the ball-handling responsibilities in Australia this past year. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean he can't do it. 
you know, he had a veteran point guard on the team. So really, it's going to be interesting to see how these players, I mean, they, these, these NBA teams have much more of a film database than I do through YouTube and Reddit subreddits, but, um, (laughs) trying to find videos of Australian games and RJ Hamptons, like the (laughs) different tournaments he went to in AAU, but his ability to uh, just control a team, just run a team. That's, that's something that at the point guard position, you know, and there's some outliers again, but you know, most of the time you want your point guard to just be able to run your team you know, be a coach on the court. Uh, that's, that's really the only thing that is like a kind of a question mark in my mind outside. I mean, mm-hmm. his three point shooting is pretty poor at this point, yeah. but there with his speed, to, like with his speed, he could be a good NBA point guard without ever developing a three-point shot. But at 19 years old, to say that his shooting is just stuck where he is would just be – it'd be asinine. I mean, he has the ability to – he has the ability to still become a very good three-point shooter. I mean, you look at players that have come – I know this is – LeBron James I'm talking about, but Kyle Korver <laughs> came to the Cavaliers, well, whatever year it was, 2015, 2016, and LeBron James was not not feared as a three-point shooter. He called up Kyle Korver, said, hey, I need to learn how to shoot. Worked out with Kyle Korver and a shooting coach the whole offseason. LeBron James came back and was significantly better three-point shooter. He still does that ugly ass step back that I don't know how people will stop. <laughs> he gets no separation, but you know, players can improve their shooting in just one off season. Now, yeah. obviously, maybe not everyone has a work ethic of LeBron, but it can happen. And I think you know if he can improve his three point shooting and show the ability to just app, just run a team from the court, which there's no there's nothing saying that he can't do that. I just haven't seen it. Yeah. His his size, his speed, and his age are absolutely should be a top ten pick if you're in need of a point guard. I would definitely agree. There's a lot of raw talent there. Yeah, that's his raw is very very good word. Um, so I guess a player that ah uh, we'll go to the mailbag question. We had one more listener question, and it was from PD Webb on Twitter. Who was the guard drafted after the lottery? I wrote library for some reason. <laughs> that is most likely to provide playoff value through shooting and creation. Kind of like Fred Van Fleet. I, you know, we had the same, the same type of players. I, but I've been thinking about it this whole show. And I think push comes to shove. Devon Dotson's got to be the guy for me that can come in and provide that that Fred Van Fleet type for a playoff team. Cause I don't, mm-hmm. I, I, if I were an NBA team, I would not be taking him in the lottery. You know, he's very small, maybe, maybe <laughs> early twenties would be like a, a stretch for him. I mean, he, let's see, he averaged 18 points a game, four boards, four assists on. He's very small. Um, so yeah, he's six two with a six three wingspan. So yeah, he's not he's not gonna go in there and get you any steals, get yeah. you any de- big defensive plays, and his three point shooting's not as high as you'd want to see. He was attempting four a game. It was only shooting thirty percent. But let's see, how old is he? I I don't have his age, but I. Um, says he'll be he'll be 20. just about almost 21 when he's drafted okay so he's still young um and at uh, which is odd kansas didn't have any like real talent like elite talents uh, obviously azabuki but mm-hmm. he's not gonna azabuki's not gonna stretch the floor for you so mm-hmm. devon dotson uh was a big focal point for defenses against kansas because you know he was given so much responsibility with handling the ball and running the offense I really think Dotson can come in for a good team off the bench, give eight to ten minutes and big games, maybe hit a couple threes. I think there are other players that can do it as well. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about Cassius Winston, but you know, you talked about how he got handled defensively um in last year's March Madness and that, that really showed then we both also said Marcus Howard, uh 
his his shooting is just his raw ability to score is unmatched. But he's I think he's smaller than Dotson. I think I want to say he was six foot. He is five eleven. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Marcus Howard is five eleven, and he is a small five eleven. I might you know outside of Devon Dotson, if Trey Jones falls, everyone knows I love Trey Jones. Trey Jones is six three, a buck ninety ish, probably the best defensive point guard in this draft. He is definitely the best defensive point guard in this draft, in my mm-hmm. opinion. His three point shooting went up ten percent from last year. Uh, and just when you watch him, and also last year he broke all sorts of records with uh, amount of assists without a turnover, a consecutive assists without a turnover. You know his turnover ratio is just absolutely fantastic. I think Trey Jones could come in and be that guy, but it's it wouldn't be like the F- Van Fleet kind of guy. I think Trey Jones is more the. Um, who do I compare him to? I, it's kind of like what Rondo's doing for the Lakers now, but actually good. But what yeah. they want Rondo to be, like Rondo flashes it one out of five games. And when you yeah. watch it, it's like, oh, holy crap, this is what the Lakers are envisioning. And then it goes back to, you know, mediocre um, Rondo. But I think there's a handful of guys to do it. I, I, I guess if you're a guy that can come in, going to be, you know, a threat on the wing. People have to come out and guard him, can harass on defense. For me, it would probably be Dotson or Trey Jones. I I just every time I watch Trey Jones, I just like him even more. His defense like I just have never seen a player so locked in on defense every possession. I love it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Sorry, that was a really long winded answer. Oh no, you're what good, you, man. <laughs> what do you have to say to that question? Um, I would agree. I think it's that's two players that obviously come from the blue blood. Um, they started. They both started freshman year and sophomore year. Even though they were both five star recruits, they both opted to come back, and they both kind of answered the call, where they kind of elevated their game and elevated the people around them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of hard to envision Trey Jones and even Dotson going somewhere and not doing the same. Is even not in the first year, but the second, just kind of getting um getting a hold of how it works, you know. And obviously, Trey Jones is gonna hear from his brother, and kind of his brother's definitely carved out a role that I think Trey could do. Tyus, so. Yeah. I, mean, I think there's a lot to like there, especially if you're going to you're looking back into the first, even beginning of the second. I think you're looking at great value there. Yeah, and I I think personally I think that Trey Jones has a higher ceiling than Tyus, but Tyus is you know he's playing 19 minutes a game this season. Uh, it's like you said, he's going to be able to give Trey all these you know tips and pointers on what what he needs to do just like Cole Anthony with his dad on, you know, adjusting to the NBA is awful. And there's so many rookies, you know, that get the rookie legs around 50, 60 games where Mm -hmm. they're just not used to it. And with Dotson, I think he has that too. You know, the um, Kansas has a lot of players, especially point guards just in the last few years that are in the NBA, even if you might not um, know it, like, Obviously, everyone knows Devontae Graham now, but there's player, the guy on the Cavs, Malik Newman. He was obviously at Kansas just um, last year. Well, I guess it's like so weird to say two years ago, but yeah. two <laughs> college seasons ago now that this one's been canceled. And, you know, the, so there are players in the NBA that can help out Dotson as well. I think with, with Dotson, he's just got to be able to show up defensively. Uh, it's going to be hard for him with his size and his wingspan, obviously. But then Trey Jones, just if Trey Jones can do exactly what he did in college, bring it to the NBA, any team's going to love to play him 19, 25 minutes a game as a rookie and just get a real leader out on the floor, in my opinion. He's a, he's a player that I think he's kind of the extension of the coach kind of player that a, a coach enjoys having on the floor, a player like him kind of at times. Yeah, I completely agree, and that's that's something that, Every coach just dies to have. Um, so, are what other point guards that I have not mentioned are some uh, that you want to talk about? I'm kind of looking at um, just kind of a list. Um, we didn't talk much about Melodon because we really don't know a ton about him. I don't think many people do, aside from maybe the 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 actual international scouts. But 
Um, I don't know if you want to touch on him, maybe. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know much about him. I haven't mm-hmm. watched. I've watched a little bit of him, not enough to do my evaluation yet, but yeah, obviously interesting. He's played professional just like these guys have. He's only 18 years old. When he gets drafted, if the draft is in June like usual, he will be 19. But, you know, anyway, he's a big he's a big point guard again. A lot of these point guards have pretty good size. You know, he's 6'3", he's long. I think the biggest thing with um, Maladon and what a lot of these international players have to deal with is these younger guys that have played in these international leagues, and maybe it doesn't happen so much with, you know, it happens more with people that are, you know, from Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of went away with Dirk and Manu and these type of guys, but it was like they were known as being soft. So I think the biggest thing with Maladon is just being able to come into the States, play in the NBA, and not get um, – I guess just pushed around, you know, he's a smaller player. So lighter player, I should say he's six, three, six, four. So he's pretty good size for a point guard. But I think, so the biggest thing is just be able to come over and, you know, prove that he can fit in with the big guys. And he's a, he's a good three point shooter. Every time I watch him, he's got, you know, he's got no, he's got a good enough shot. But yeah, I guess it's kind of gone away with how, international basketball is gone that like the Europeans are weak that saying especially mm-hmm. with Doncic coming over here and just manhandling yeah. these old grown men in the NBA but other than that I like I'm excited to actually watch him I've just watched some highlights and some bad tape of him and he, he's exciting the it's just the bad thing for him is that I think there are two, you know four or five point guards that are you know easily better than him and then the you've got the college players that these scouts are just more familiar with, which can hurt him, I guess, in the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The familiarity. Yeah. So what do you, what did you, have you watched him at all? Um, probably about as much as you. I just, I see a lot of raw talent, obviously. I say, I've been saying that a lot, but um, I think, <laughs> I think there definitely is something there. I don't think he was asked to do too much. No. So I think he's definitely a guy that I hope a team that drafts him is willing to, take him along slowly unless he proves otherwise. I think he's a guy that you really don't want to throw him in the fire. He's a guy that I think you, he wants to learn the game. I think he's someone that definitely does need to learn the game, especially the NBA game. When you get those international players that have never really been over here yet, maybe just what they've seen on TV. So I think there's a lot to like there. Yeah, I agree. He's got like, he's just, it's not that he's, not physically able it's just he's he just i look at him and i still see like a high schooler's body it's it's the mm-hmm. same thing with lamello lamello has to prove that too but i i think there's a lot to like with him like you said it's raw talent that and you said you've been saying that a lot but the thing with hampton and uh maladon like all these guys are you know what would be high school seniors or college freshmen Mm-hmm. And then they're just they're still they still look like it and they still play like it. So it is raw talent. And, it's you know, if the right coach, the right organization can get their hands on these players, it's game over. The The way they can improve or go down in development is astronomical. So it all mm-hmm. I think with players like Maladon and Hampton, especially of the top tier point guard, I think coaches the organization the training staff to get them you know to the right sizes like those things are almost as important as just you know i I think those are the most important things i don't think there's anything more important for those players but then Mm -hmm. i look at a player like um halliburton or trey jones or these guys that have played college basketball you know their their most important thing is just being able to see if they can play at the next level with people that have a higher awareness than those players are playing in the big 10 or the ACC. So it's, it's just, it varies so much from player to player. What is the biggest determining factor and, you know, whether or not we think they can, you know, turn out to what we think they can be. And I think that's what makes the draft so exciting. And especially this year 
like we were talking i don't remember if we were recording or not it's just there's no there's no locks this year there's no zion williamson there's no jason tatum and lonzo ball it's like it's pretty wide open mm-hmm. but, and uh, it's there's a lot of different players too. There's a lot of different like like we talked like talk about flavor. There's a lot of different flavors out there. There's a lot like there's the defensive lockdown guards that maybe aren't the best shooters. There's the players that maybe have the knack for scoring and shooting, but maybe not so on the effort on the defensive end. So there's a lot there. Yeah, and it's it's especially just in this point guard position. It's you know just talking through the guys we've talked about today, the players are so so vastly different, and it's that's that just excites me. Mm -hmm. um i think the last well i think well maybe not the last player but just someone else real quick i wanted to touch on and if you want to touch on anyone else we can is we both talked about nico mannion uh you we both said we're not as high on him as most i'm i'm looking at cbs um their like draft board they have him at 27 so i guess they're kind of like falling more in line with what you know, I'm thinking, but yeah. he was for a while there, you know, maybe he'll get the lottery, that, that kind of mm-hmm. talk. And if you watch Nico Mannion's highlights, he's one of the more exciting players in the draft. But if you watch full Nico Mannion games, he started to get exposed towards the end of the year and some of his weaknesses. And also, I, it's just something about the type of player he is, you know, the, I don't know how to phrase it without sounding like I'm not trying to bash on him. He does a lot mm-hmm. of things well. And he's uh I watched a video with him and Mike Schmitz again and they talked about the sneaky athletic term and he says, I hate that term. Like I don't think it's really that sneaky. I've been like this for a few years now and that's fair. But when you start watching Nico Mannion and he starts doing the things he does, it's it's sneaky athletic in my opinion. But mm-hmm. I think there's maybe a little bit to work with there. Truthfully, I watch Nico Mania and I don't really see anything that I want to take a first round pick on with. Like, yeah. Because if I'm, you know, picking in the 20s where I would maybe start to feel comfortable with him, I don't think he's the player that takes my team farther in the playoffs. You know, that's where I think the, the Trey Jones, the Cassius Winston, these guys that have won in college, these guys that are the team players, make plays for other guys. That's kind of what I want, and I don't think Nico Mannion's that. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot to work with there, that possibility. I mean, he's shown the ability to shoot. Um, he's shown the ability to make plays, and I think his speed is something mm-hmm. that really can't be, like, can't go unnoticed. But like you said, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of players around him that I think that are more established and I think kind of have more of an understanding of the game and maybe more of an understanding of maybe what their role might be because – He's come and look at him who's been a McDonald's All-American, you know, showed out, played at Arizona and everything. But I think, like you said, Devon Dotson, Trey Jones, Cassius Winston, these are guys that are going to be around there around the time it's pick, time to pick a guy like Mannion. So it's just going to be tough for me personally to pick him over guys like that. Yeah, I agree. And then it, it's – then you th- – it would be – pretty this is a pretty wide margin um where they sit in my eyes but you know if you're picking late 20s and you you know you're thinking you need a point guard to come in off the bench I, i the first guy i'm thinking of is you know if i have to take a flyer is marcus howard i know we just talked about all the things that are wrong like he's obviously he's really old coming into the draft compared to these guys He's a buck eighty. He's five eleven, but if I'm picking in the late twenties, I I'm not really thinking like I'm not developing a player for the future. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to get scoring, and Marcus Howard can come in and provide you scoring if he's able to separate in the NBA. We've seen players mm-hmm. smaller than him dominate the NBA. I mean Isaiah Thomas in 2015, 2016, whatever year it was. I believe so. Yeah, twenty seventeen. I don't remember, but one of those years. <laughs> Isaiah Thomas <laughs> lit the world on fire, and it's it, you know he showed ability to do it, but I don't think Nico, I don't think Marcus Howard's better than Nico Mannion by any means. But that's I I don't remember if I how I mentioned this, but somehow I'm stuck on this Nico Mannion at the end of the first round pick. I don't I don't understand. Yeah, I don't I don't remember saying anything, but in my mind I'm just like, what? Why is Nico Mannion going to the end of the first? But. <laughs> I think another player that we really haven't even touched on yet that um, 
I think was overlooked that had a fantastic senior year was Peyton Pritchard from Oregon. Hmm. I don't know if he's, he's older, um, but like you said, he kind of fits falls in the line of a player that um, he's a fantastic shooter. Um, he showed himself to be a fantastic passer on a really good team. Um, I think a lot of it comes with him is going to be his physical limitations in the way like Cassius Winston with them. Mm-hmm. I don't think speed's the issue with him. A lot of it's just going to be size. I mean, he's 6'2", shows 6'4", wingspan, 190. So it's not imposing, but it's also not something glaring. But I think he's someone that, um, if you haven't checked out yet, he's probably worth checking out because he had a fantastic senior year that I don't think a lot of people really talk about. Yeah, I agree. He's it's And the thing with these seniors is they can – Maybe not just with seniors. I'll say this. These players, they get overlooked. Uh, one of them a few years ago that I was so high on was Jalen Brunson. You know, mm-hmm. he, just, he kept sliding in the draft. The Mavericks finally picked him. And my best friend's a Mavericks fan. He's like, Jalen Brunson. And he's he's a Mavericks fan, but he's not a diehard basketball fan. He's like, Jalen Brunson, who's the, who the heck's that? And I'm like, you know, he's a winner. He is yeah. a winner. He is a team guy. He plays in a good system, good, like – all these things that are good, you know, he didn't have a bad coach, didn't have this me first kind of mentality. It's like dude, he's gonna he's gonna be good, and you know, Jalen Brunson, especially this year in the NBA, like okay, he's starting for the Dallas Mavericks, he's playing well. That I think that could be the kind of guy Peyton Pritchard is. Like a year or two, someone took him, you know, maybe an injury happened, or you know, they needed cap space, so they got rid of a point guard or something. Peyton, yeah. they start this Peyton Pritchard kid because like you said he's he's super overlooked I kept watching him and I'm like damn he he's very unathletic you know <laughs> NBA wise but he just gets it done and he's one of those players that's like it worries me if he's a college player like, I don't know if that makes any sense to people listening but I mean like um I try to think of someone I have a lot of Ohio based fans so like Aaron Kraft like Aaron Kraft was a a really fun college player and then people kind of got like oh maybe he could actually play in the nba well they're not the same player at all aaron Kraft couldn't shoot a three to save his life peyton yeah. was a really good three-point shooter but the is he a college guy scares me but every time i watch him I'm like okay he can shoot he can pass he doesn't turn the ball over he runs the team well shoots free throws like everything he checks the mark on except for like this athleticism that these top guys have but i 100 percent agree with you I think he could slide into, you know, a, a day two pick and become a, a real player for someone and a and get a real rotation piece. Yeah, and I would definitely agree. I think there I think there is a lot. The more we even dive in deep on these point guards, there is a lot of. I'd be shocked if two or three of these guys weren't on NBA rotations next year, with maybe one of them just having a breakout year. Mm-hmm. Like there's just there's so many players that were so accomplished in college and have a lot to like about them where maybe the things that we're worried about don't even end up being issues with them. And it's going to be really exciting to see. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think the last player that I guess I already said that once, but the last player <laughs> I kind of want to bring up is because uh, he's he's talked about a lot is uh, Lewis Jr. from Alabama. You know, he's got size. Just declared. Yeah, he's he's light. He's probably the lightest one in this class. They have him listed as one sixty five, um, but what he lacks in weight, he makes up in speed. I mean, other than R.J. Hampton, he's got to be the quickest player, the fastest player oh, yeah. in this draft. They, he might mm-hmm. even be faster than R.J. But he's a really exciting player. But I I don't want to just say De'Aaron Fox because I don't think they're super similar but like that kind of De'Aaron Fox gameplay where it's going to take the right team going to take a young team he's got to move quickly I just I don't think um you know Lewis Jr. is going to thrive in the NBA if he has to play on a team where it's uh you know the Charlotte Hornets or the Denver Nuggets that play the slowest paces in the NBA which obviously these 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 teams aren't going to take uh Lewis Jr. But he's going to have to go somewhere and play fast because I don't think in the half court he has the skills right now especially to you know be worthy of a lottery pick where some might have him. Yeah, definitely. He's definitely one that if I could see him slipping, I don't see him. I don't see the gap between guys like him and then like Mannion as that big. And, you know, you see Mannion anywhere from the top of the lottery, then 
I've seen times where Lewis is in the bottom of the first round. So you never really know. Yeah, and I think, uh, truth be told, like sometimes I'll watch Nico Mannion and I'm like, well, I think I'd, you know, in my point guard rankings, him and um, Lewis Jr. are back-to-back. And it's like I flip them back and forth because I'll watch Nico Mannion. He does so many – he can do so many things well on the offensive end. But then it's like goes back to Lewis and his ability to just absolutely burn people, which, you know – isn't maybe necessarily considered a skill all the time, but it is a skill to be able to beat people down the court with the dribble yeah. and just finish. So, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting players in this draft. I've covered everyone I want to cover. Is there anyone else that you want to talk about? No, I mean, if we're talking point guards, that's pretty much all I've kind of wanted to cover. There's definitely some players that I want to check out. So, Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I need to study a couple more get their evaluations out. I've almost almost got all of my top guys done. I haven't posted them out yet, but that's yeah. it's it's exciting to it's the only thing I have to look forward to sports wise now is watching old college basketball games. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing who jumps out to you and doing research. Yeah. yeah. Um well Jake, thanks for coming on. If you uh seriously if I'll I'm I'll talk to you after this, but if you ever want to come on again and do more NBA draft stuff I would love to have you on. I'd love to, man. I, lo- I love doing this. This is my first time doing anything like this before. I've usually just kind of done my own research, talked to people on Twitter and stuff like that. I mean, I enjoy this. I'm always down. All right. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, and have a good day. Across the Board Sports is brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Daily prop bets for all kinds of sports where thousands of dollars are up for grabs every single day. Want free money? Use the code ATB at sign up for a free $10. Download the free app in the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. And don't forget, use the code ATB at sign up for a free $10. Across the board sports, unique sports coverage.